The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by, on behalf of IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, J- Jacob Cooper, had an NDE hugely impacting his future life when he was only three years old. As he has written, death, even for a moment, changes everything. Today, Jacob is a clinical social worker, certified Reiki master, and a certified hypnotherapist with a specialization in past life regression therapy. Jacob lives on Long Island, where he works with clients on a private basis and also through online services. Jake Cooper facilitates spiritual awareness and impairment seminars influenced by his profound NDE and other transformative past experiences. He's the author of the book Life After Breath, newly published by Waterside Productions. Jake, welcome to NDE Radio. An honor to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me on as an honored guest. Well, it's, it's wonderful to have you, Jake. Jake, before we start discussing your NDE, I wanted to ask, I gather you were raised in an Orthodox Jewish tradition, and I was wondering if you could tell us uh, in that tradition or what that tradition has to say about things like you know, personal mystical experiences such as near-death experience. What I could say is, you know, most religions started with spirituality. By spirituality, you know, to me at least, that means one's direct personal experience. I think what happens is that gets lost in a collective ideological belief system, you know, where it becomes a bit of a power and control element to it, um, you know, throughout time. Uh, but if you look at the core elements of any, mostly any major religions at the core, you know, there's mystical practices. And Judaism is no different. Um, if you look at Jewish traditions, obviously Kabbalistic t- traditions, which, you know, a lot of occult practices are originated from, whether that be the Tarot, you know, and stuff like that. Yes. You know, so um, there's there's deep mysticism in it. But I always say um, spirituality exists not because of religion, but despite of it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and the same thing with the afterlife and the same thing with God. And yeah, that's that's just my personal viewpoint. But um yeah. It was it was more of the dogmatic kind of practice and rule regimented that had me a little, little bit uh, turned off from it from a pretty young age. But there's yes. a lot of beauty in it, absolutely, as well too. Uh, I, well, coming at that from being raised Catholic, I I can understand completely what you're saying about organized religion. You say in your book you suffered from a terrifying dreams when you were young. What were they about? Even at the age of three, prior to my near-death experience, I had dreams of something profound happening that I wasn't even sure, and um, that's something that I remembered as within my near-death experience, the surrounding events of it, you know, and that we'll get into a little bit, you know, how that is regarding trauma and the ability to recall, but, you know, as a child, I had a lot of memories on a past life that I lived most uh, the past life that I lived was something that I saw within my near-death experience, but the same scene of myself you know, ending my own life uh, was was in a way kind of haunting. And why I say haunting as it just had a difficult time for myself to integrate in this lifetime. And that was so much on the surface. And, 
it was all kind of blended in parallels where time, this body, you know, in this space, you know, kind of went out the door and it was just one. And so I would say, you know, nothing bad regarding repercussions or anything like that, quite contrary, but just that same exact scene that was later validated by an intuitive who, you know, this was before I became public, was able to pick up on that last lifetime instantaneously when I sat down on the uh, chair in the reading. So uh, mm. I would say that, um, but I was also blown away of the life between life, you know, situation and being able to remember this constant dream of, of just taking off from the other side and planning and charting my life. And so a lot of this would come within dream state as well as, you know, just kind of more relaxed state. And I was born in kind of like an athlete. And so when I was running around, I would get all these flashing imagery, you know, that was beyond this lifetime. And, you know, this existed. And I was just at the time, it's not like I say, okay, this is a past life. This is, you know, the, the charting period. Uh, but later on in life, I was able to get the verbiage and lexicon to be able to express it to others a little bit more. But at the time, it's just, it was more of a nuisance where I was just trying to integrate and I had all these, you know, kind of obstructive memories and experiences that uh, I couldn't be able, to, I wasn't able to express and label as such. Mm. So in the description, the brief descriptions uh, in the book makes it sound like you were sort of a hyperactive child. And I was wondering, does hyperactivity result, do you think, from from uh, past life experiences in some children? I think in, in a way, like, um, I was affected uh, on such a profound basis, you know, from the trauma that I had more so with the near-death experience. I think a lot of people, you know, get into the kind of glorified version of it and, and just the euphoric elements of the NDE. And while that is truly there within my experience and others, um, you know, death is not something that I fear, but dying, at least to me, was scary. And, uh you know, by dying, I was suffocated and I lost, you know, my breath, hence the title Life After Breath. And so that experience, that unresolved trauma, I think threw me off from, you know, anywhere from anxiety to, you know, just a lot of, you know, kind of suppressed, repressed, you know, kind of emotions that manifested itself as anger. Um, and I think the ADHD and ADD kind of stuff and difficulty sitting in my classroom you know, happened because my brain was really impacted by my NDE, thus the filter between consciousness. And so my ability to be in my body in this in this lifetime was very kind of off-kilter and, and off-based. And so I, I had a very hard time just, you know, being on the conveyor belt. I was always kind of rebellious of it from being taken off of, you know, this uh, kind of programming that society was trying to do to myself and, you know, other children are seeing us as just this blank canvases with nothing to us and seeing the body as synonymous with who we are. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. Right. So you were on a playground at three years old at the top of a slide ladder when you stopped breathing and blacked out. And it was perhaps whooping cough that you, that uh, brought this on. Yeah. You know, the, the, the clinical term I, we use is a uh, pertussis, but yes, whooping cough caused me to suffocate. And if you look at whooping cough, it could be quite fatal to infants, children, and, and even, you know, in some rare cases, adults too, if left untreated. Mm. Uh, and it's highly contagious, you know, upper respiratory, you know, virus that I caught. And a couple of days later, my brother caught it too, although he didn't have the same degree of symptoms. But, you know, the whooping cough caused me to suffocate. Mm. So, um, and then you fell, but you didn't fall off the ladder. You fell down the slide. So yeah. you weren't you weren't injured by the fall. 
No. Uh, in fact, after suffocating, and I speak about this in my near-death experience, there was, you know, my body wasn't functioning, but literally my I felt my two guides, you know, manipulate kind of the physical reality, and they pushed my body down the slide, and they went down with me. And, it, you know, as we know, spirit is able to just interfere with, 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 with physical, you know, c- kind of objects and stuff like that, and I, I was no different. So I literally was had no functioning within my body and my guides were able, you know, within that, that moment to push me down the slide and where I was kind of irresponsive to the people that I went to with the park that day, I could see them, I could hear them, but they couldn't, they couldn't, they could see me, but they couldn't hear me when I was trying to communicate to them, Mm -hmm. you know, through, you know, my own consciousness that was outside of my body. Right. Now the stages, what you saw uh, with your, in your NDE was really amazing First, you were in space and then flying fast down a, a dark tunnel. Is that right? Well, in a sense that I was aware of this vortex kind of vacuum taking my soul on a wild ride, you know, out of this realm to the other side. And it was quite familiar. And this this vortex was something that I kind of ignored within the car, but it just was almost like this soul vacuum that took me in, um, sucked me into like this uh, dark tunnel and I was able to enter the light. Uh, where, you know, at the time I, you know, really encountered best description that I could have as as an awareness of the divine or, or God or the all that ever is and ever was, um, you know, with a lot of other different mystical beings there, you know, on the other side. You say you say in the book that there was a golden palace on the back of your head. Right, so describe that describe that to us it was to the right side of my head my brain literally shut down and you know once i suffocated it i literally heard a snap in half in this large large crack as if you take a plug out of a wall and just yank it out and so once my brain you know snapped in half and cracked open that's when god literally came in uh, you know and that uh figure of speech happened to me literally and there's so many literal examples of you know, my near-death experience are allegorical references that we could hopefully get into that, mm. you know, actually happened, which almost makes it unbelievable in a way, uh, but but believable too. But yes, this palace was something that was so profound for myself when I was looking at, able to look at the right side of kind of my head, its lights, its colors, its sounds was everything antithetical and diametrically opposite to anything of this planet. It was, you know, we're used to having a limitation with how high we could soar, how good we could feel, or what love is. And there's almost kind of a cap of, of the climax of this human experience. You know, I think we're bio-neurochemical, you know, people. And so we just, at, at a certain point, we have a bit of a cap. And when you're out of the body and you cross over to the other side and you counter, you know, God and you see God in different ways on the other side, um, I don't believe that God is unidimensional. It comes to us within our own basic level of understanding but in that moment was my closest interpretation and, and, and interaction with what I would best describe in, in our language and vernacular as, as God. Mm. Well, you call it God's house, the I am. Um, I was trying to envision how it would, you know, size-wise, because a three-year-old's head is so small and a palace is so large. And then I thought maybe of the Yamaka, maybe it was sort of a position like that. For, for you as a coming out of the Jew, Jewish tradition? No, it's funny. And, and I share this 
universal principle within my NDE. There was very little that I carried over, you know, from you know my life and my worldview and its interpretation of what I experienced on the other side. You know, the only little thing that I carried over was just my concern, you know, not to self self aggrandizing, but my concern for my parents when I was crossed over. Mm. Uh, but um, I guess within Jewish tradition, there are certainly definite definite angels within the Bible. You know that that was now something, but not something that I was reared as a three year old. There was very little that that I was reared um, as a three year old, but definitely certain wasn't. You know these things that I saw, and so um, now I think spirituality. When we encounter all these experiences, it's a little to do with what we've been taught. You know, in Earth terms, but more regarding to what's internally inside of us you know, on the other side as the door opens of eternity. Mm. And you say there was an incredible force coming out of the domain of God that was the essence of creation and every thought, deed, and uh, action was connected to that force. I mean, that's a powerful image. Yeah, you know, it wasn't quite going to the Hall of Records. Like as people describe, I can always tell it for my own experience but it was as if there was you know the best way i could describe it was eternal unlimited awareness you know and we're used to limited limitations because we go through life processing life through our linear mind and our linear lens and so even when i speak here today you know we could hear the word eternity and even the infinite is finite because we're processing it through a finite layer. Mm. Uh, but when you get into the deeper eyes of your soul, which is eternal, and you're able to feel and sense and experience, um, you know, these principles, it becomes a lot more able to be understood on a deeper level. Uh, but it was the most climactical experience that that I had, at least in this lifetime, and it's not to knock any other experiences but this was literally out of this world but at the same time it was here too and you know when i crossed over to the side it was unlimited as to how high it could go but elements of the other side was right in front of me including you know a sea of angels that was surrounding my body which is irresponsive to you know the calls from people that i went to in the park that day and so you know i don't pretend to have a, a full monopolization of understanding of God or the other side, what I could tell you is it's virtually unlimited. Um, there's no beginning, no middle, no end. It's just all. That's the best way I could describe it. <laughs> mm. And I think you said you felt like you were home in that. Oh, yes, most definitely. And, uh, you know, the allegory of it is just so strong where we think of ourselves as, um, you know, children in God's playground. And, you know, in a way, this literally happened to me in a playground where I began to re-examine myself as, 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 again, just a child playing in God's playground. And that's something that can never leave me, that playground, that, that place of home. And later in life, I once was displaced from my home as I was being like a jerk, whatever. And my parents just took, asked me to just, you know, for a couple of days leave. And I got quite, I got quite distraught. And I just walked around and not even thinking of it, I just sat down around the corner within the playground and then again that same playground and that that imagery you know was was so strong to me and i think for viewers to just 
remind ourselves how we're all just going through this life, but we can never leave the eternal, you know, kingdom and playground of God. We're all just children here, you know, hopefully trying to uplift each other and being our brothers and sisters uh, keepers on this on this lifetime. Yes. You mentioned angelic figures, and in the book you talk about a beautiful choir. What did that look like and sound like? You know, so my body was on the ground surrounded by, you know, the participants who went went with me at the park, but I had a form, you know, it was almost kind of like a soul foam that was to the side of my body. I couldn't exactly see myself, but I could feel, you know, kind of like the shadow of my form and my just presence, you know, and so there was a form that I had that I was aware of. It wasn't just, I was just this empty space. And so when I was in my form, I was able to look at the angels that were literally in front of me. And it was as if you just literally just take a dial from this reality and just turn it up a little bit to a higher frequency and a higher filter. You know, the, the angels aren't, they're up there in these lofty places, you know, like I, ex, like I expressed within, you know, my book, but, uh, and, and that happened in my NDE, but they're also right in this reality they're right here and so when i looked at the angels it was different than my spiritual guides in a sense that the spiritual guides were a lot more micro focused on myself you know the the angels that i saw were just again this brown and gold color that kept on coming to me and they were literally right in front of me and i could hear them see them but they were just looking straight they were just like they're almost kind of like this robot angel kind of mechanism without any individual separation, separate identity. They were all just uniformal, but they were uniformal in a unison with the love that they were sharing to the planet, to the situation, you know, to, 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 to all. And so I think they were just so uniformal in a sense that they weren't separate from love, but rather love itself. And there was no, you know, kind of identity to separate itself from that, if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it does. So the separate manifestations of of a continuity, right? And when we have an identity, sometimes that could we could size up things to get us a little bit of weight because we have free will and we have, you know, perceptions and stuff like that. You know, angels just are love manifested mm-hmm. through wings. You know, mm-hmm. at the core, that's just who and what I experience as they were. Now, you, you mentioned something else that surprised me. You said you, you had a wonderful knowing of Jesus, that you didn't see him, but you felt him. How did, how did it differentiate from, from the uh, other aspects of love that gave, a, gave him a name? You know, I think we're all just, we take different physical forms and physical shapes, and others know it as, as, as the, that way. But we're all just just kind of like, different consciousness and the more that we kind of evolve the higher our own vibration a higher our own consciousness becomes to be more reflective of the love of the eternity that we were birthed from but in a way that was when i was with christ i think there's an external portrayal of him and how people perceive and see him you know but there's there's an internal knowingness that person to person has you know of, of that particular consciousness and you know when i was with that it was, you know, I can't speak for how others perceive Christ, you know, and the way that he looked and all that stuff. But to me, at least this was deeper in a sense that it didn't have like an individual form to it, but it was, it was just this all encompassing, just deeply, you know, mystical and just almost indescribable high octave of the other side. And so it was in that, again, this euphoric, you know, climactical 
unlimited energy was was being experienced with you know feeling of protection feeling of knowingness of every thought of every deed of you know every action i was quite transparent and i was you know it just enveloped in this eternal love which was much different and much um obviously you know opposite to you know no matter who we come from and and how good our parents or our teachers are we're not used to unlimited unconditional love with not what we do but rather who we are you know at our core yes yeah and then you said you could span the entire earth from uh, a transcendent space and time tell us you know, about that. i was able to see the planet from a micro and macro perspective in a sense that i was able to see a lot of events that i would live you know in my lifetime you know in that went past this lifetime and even past lifetimes you know, the other side, there's kind of like this parallel universe or overlay of the earth where you're able to travel, you know, without, you know, needing to go through TSA or, or an airplane, you're able to go, you know, through all these places and they have elements of the planet, but they're just more just intensified, you know, so it was just almost kind of like this parallel universe or this higher octave. And the other side, I think, has different dimensions. And, you know, as you become more evolved and in your understanding, you're able to vibrate and really be with the higher realms of the light realms, which have less of the physical form, but there's just more light and more pure love, and they don't have as much of the human stuff. But I think, you know, people on the other side are constantly learning, growing, and just, you know, going into different realms on it as it's virtually unlimited. Uh, but I was able to have a cognition and an understanding of a thought energy of a reawakening of the planet. And, you know, individuals really coming back to this understanding, um, you know, of truth and, you know, just kind of remembering this stuff. And that's kind of what I saw, you know, in a sense that I saw different lifetimes, but I also saw the life that I lived and I lived and I saw connective karmic ties, particularly within my own past lifetime. But I saw the life that I was going to be teaching as a, as a teacher for, you know, people who are ready to bring in, you know, this higher consciousness of the hereafter into the here now. And so that the two realms, you know, could have a gossamer thin or non-existent separation between the two of them. We could literally bring heaven down to earth as we are heaven, you know, down to earth. That's what we are. We just have to remember that. <laughs> so without, without that time, without time being a factor, you could see, for instance, you mentioned seeing the lost Atlantis and one one thing and, and the future, uh, your own future self, you know, going in the other direction. Um, and then later on, uh, you mentioned having uh, premonitions about um, the destruction of the uh, of the Twin Towers in New York. Uh, yeah. You, know, do you think, think that was part product of the NDE? Absolutely. You know, I. You know, as a kid, you don't walk around saying you're psychic because you don't have the vernacular for that. But my premonitional um, understanding was that it was a, very much of a nuisance. I was trying to just, you know, kind of just push this beach ball under the water between my NDE and between my premonitions that I was having. You know, in a way, I just wanted to fit in with other people. But, you know, constantly I would see something and then it would happen a couple minutes later. And I was just like, you know, what's the point of like being here when I'm seeing all these things happening, but, you know, you know, a couple months, you know, a short, short, short while before the Twin Towers came in, we literally parked our car in front of it. And this is documented in my book. And it's, you know, I just had this, this 
intense deep feeling and then when you just kind of see it happen just you just kick yourself for like you know in a sense that you're frustrated that you see these things you don't do anything about it you don't tell anyone so it's almost kind of like we have this reality but you know and then there's this other dial that's happening you know of the sacred silence where you're able to have a lot more of an understanding where there is no time or anything like that and you're able to tap into future events that just kind of come to you with this doorway opening up and the doorway you know, of these events coming to you, you know, of your awareness while you're looking at, you know, the present as we see it, you know, all these events are coming, you know, at least came to me differently, but definitely having my brain, you know, just kind of like snap in half. Um, I just clearly understood the brain is the filter between the two worlds. And, you know, once, once that happened, you know, my ability to integrate, you know, higher consciousness and intuitive capabilities through my brain you know, it was a lot stronger as it wasn't as blocked. It was a lot more of an open filter from my near-death experience. Mm. You also mentioned that you saw your soul family. Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, you know, when I was able to see them, I you know knew them instantaneously. And I just had an awareness that this was just this group energy, this team energy that you would incarnate and reincarnate with with different lifetimes. But it was all just kind of like a similar expression or, or, or array of God. And, you know, one thing that people speak about in, in soul families is just in a way of, in my, what I experienced was just almost kind of this enmeshment where it was just almost kind of like one energy that you were individuated, but, but not really. You were just part of this, you know, team and this, this, this mission. Uh, but I felt quite ashamed and quite embarrassed when I saw, a lot of beings on the other side, and that wasn't their judgment of myself, but in a way, I just almost felt that I was, you know, before, in between lives, I was giving all these promises, and I was saying that I was going to do all these things, and then, you know, a couple couple years later, I'm back with them. It's almost as if you're about to go to the military and have all this crazy party, and everyone goes crazy, and then all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, you say, no, nah, not for me, I'm coming back, and so, you know, I, you know, in a way, I just felt kind of embarrassed or a bit of, like, cowardly that I you know, wasn't, wasn't going to continue this, but that was, that was my, you know, judgment of myself. But a funny story regarding soul family was, and I speak about this, I believe in my book, was I had an aunt who was one of my mentors. And before she died, she kept on telling me the word picture. And I was like, why are you telling me this? And as she was going, she says, you know, when you look at a family picture, you know, people like might look a little bit different, but if you look at the energy of the eyes of each particular participant, each particular family member, there's something very profound, you know, that connects them. And I thought that's that's pretty cool, you know, whatever. And then, you know, about a year or two later, you know, a short while later, I was in a reading and, you know, the medium picked up on her energy and she goes, why is she telling me the word picture, picture, picture? And so in a sense that that gave me the message of what soul family was about was this undeniable connectivity and just this expression and similar theme you know of like karmic duty that that people have and they you know they have different roles and different titles and they might incarnate at different times but it's all a part of a similar expression of the divine or the ray of god so to speak wow you know we only have a couple of minutes left and um you said yes to your future life in in this um i, I guess it was to your was it to your guides and i i, yeah, I, I yeah, was I hoping that you yeah that you could uh, tell us um, what you what you're doing now, and also uh, whether that whether you feel like you're following through on that. Yes. Yeah, you know, um, a lot of near death experiencers 
you know, I think there's one or two roads. You're either told you must go back. You know, for my case, it was I was given the option and I kind of had a let's make a deal where I asked if I you know, were to stay in this lifetime, what would happen? I was able to see, you know, a different series of events in my life as a teacher and a healer and speaking in front of people. And I just felt in unison with this one energy of bringing this higher energy, this higher consciousness and in, in healing into people. And as beautiful as, as the other side is, you know, this was a unique window that I just could not say no to. And it had more beauty, um, you know, than, than anything that I saw in heaven. As I think when you bring down, you know, the hereafter to the here now, there's nothing to me more magical about that. Um, I think that's why we're all here in our own unique ways is to re-remember that eternity in this, inf- in this finite reality. Um, I never look at myself as someone who I could judge as arriving. Um, you know, I never will say that I, I completed my mission or this is my life missions. I think every day I'm trying to look at it as a, as a different way to not discover, but to rediscover different ways of helping people and different ways of looking at life differently. I never believe in the notion of arriving as I, I think when you arrive, that's almost kind of like a death to me. Mm. You know, I think it's a continual it's a continual reflection of eternity when you find in and and deep part of the God within ourselves when constantly we learn how to see things differently and learn how to recreate, you know, our lives differently. And so I think the creative force field within all of us is the closest thing to, I think, to the creator within ourselves that we're forever connected to. So um, wow. each and every day I look at it as an opportunity to bring a little bit more of that, you know, eternal recollection that I had and you know, just finding ways to um, give back what I was given in moments where I was, I looked at the most finite experience as suffocation and I was given infinite awareness of love, of eternity. And so uh, indirectly and directly from the ground up, that's what I try to do, you know, within my life's work is to, you know, allow people that breath of life, um, you know, from the eternal breath that we were given, you know, when that's taken from us at times in different struggles and trials and tribulations. Yes. Well, well, Jake, we're out of time, but uh, please tell the uh, listeners how they can find your website and how they can get a copy of your book. Yeah. So anyone who's interested in hearing more about, you know, my near-death experience and subsequent other transformative experiences included in Life After Breath, um, you could look at it at Amazon.com. It's on in Amazon.com. And you could also look at my website at jacobalcooper.com if you would prefer to purchase it from another, you know, uh, source. Um, and if you look at my website at jacobalcooper.com, you'll also see the Facebook icon. And there, actually, Monday, this upcoming Monday, I'm giving uh, a Facebook Live as I do usually you know, the last Monday of each month, I have a different topic of higher consciousness. You know, this topic is really about finding ways to integrate your sacred eternal story, you know, to provide everyday grace. And so I always say not to be uh, defined by a story, you know, but to define the story. And I think that's all of our jobs, you know, here on this on this earth. And so you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook. And if you're interested in any other, you know, private services, you could also contact me there as well as email. Wow. Well, Jacob, thank you for sharing your fascinating story. Um, I hope people uh, will will get your book because I found it very, very interesting. As far as we got in it, perhaps we could have you back sometime to talk about your work as a hypnotherapist. 
going back into past lives. I, I find that a very interesting topic as well. My honor. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Thank you very much. If listeners would like to hear the show again or any of our nearly 400 past shows, go to NDE Radio and hit the Past Shows button. And for more information about IANS, go to their website at IANDS.org. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>